Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. often ask myself, you know, how republican is what we created? And isn't it sometimes very much closer to the poor law system that we thought we were departing from? And that's a real challenge. I, I have taken as well to, to speaking ever more frankly in relation to housing, because I think it is our great, great, great failure. It isn't a crisis anymore. It is a disaster. And I think that we have to really think about meeting the basic needs of people in a republic, be it about food and shelter and education. We just really, when I think of people, I, I, John, I said that I knew John Crowder and I knew many more from the engineering faculty in Gulf. They're people who built homes and building homes is what is important. It is not to be a star performer for the speculative sector internationally or anything else. There you go. They are the words of our president, Michael D. Higgins, who should normally not get involved in the politics of the country because that's not his remit or not his job. And he has been criticised for it, although Leo Varadkar says he completely agrees with him in relation to what he said. Uh, but I don't want to get into Michael D. Higgins and what he actually said, but I believe it's a good reason for us to talk about the disaster, as he calls it, that we're in. And there is no doubt that we have a supply and demand issue on housing and it's not an easy one to fix and it's got to the point, this point I suppose, over a long period of time. The demand is high for social housing and the government can't build housing quick enough and it's not about the money, it's about procuring the land and getting developers to actually build on it. I don't believe any political party, by the way, in any election. If there was an election tomorrow and political parties would tell you we're going to build so many houses, don't believe them because they can't. Unless they had a magic wand in the short term, they can't fix the problem. Also, the danger of having not having enough houses, to say, you know, is or that we do have enough houses. In other words, if we suddenly had the magic wand and built enough houses tomorrow for everybody on the housing list, etc., etc., to free up houses to be sold privately as well, you know, well, then property values would drop. And suddenly you would have a lot of houses, a lot of people who borrowed over the last 10 years going into negative equity. So it's a difficult one to fix. Ireland has seen a massive population growth per head of population. We have gone from 3.3 million roughly in the early 80s to over 5 million. We don't know. We know at the end of this month, actually, because the census will be releasing at the end of this month the overall figure of the population. Now, they won't have all the details probably till later in the year or next year. But by the end of this month, they'll be able to tell us how many people live in Ireland and possibly, you know, the male-female demographic, which is usually about 50-50. Nature does that for some reason. Anyway, we reckon it could be, and I predict, close to 5.4 million. That is a massive increase of 2 million people, almost a third extra in the last 40 years. I mean, and for a small country with a small economy, that's a massive increase. I mean, we could sustain a population realistically of 10 million people if we were clever and we had clever people in charge. But we don't. And most of the increase, of course, is due to non-Irish immigration from all over the world, including Europe and outside of Europe. And the demand for housing has increased. Of course, Irish people are having less children. But what happens is when you have immigration, which we've had quite a lot of over the last 20 or 30 years, we have to allow for that. Diversity is a good thing, by the way. But we have to allow for it and we have to have somewhere for people to live. And we haven't been building houses. The previous government, Enda Kenny's government, didn't build any houses whatsoever. 
So how can you not build houses when you have a population increasing constantly all the time? They knew there was going to be a problem. But that's not going to make any difference. Me giving out about that right now is not going to make a difference. Most of the crisis is around social housing. Yes, the cost of young couples buying a house is too high. We all know that. Who want to buy privately? But if you address the housing stock and social housing, that would free up many houses that are currently being rented under the HAP scheme. And currently in this country, there are tens of thousands of people on a housing list. Nearly up to 100,000 at one stage on a housing list. And if you housed all of those people tomorrow, we would have a property crash. The, the values of properties all over the country would drop. So you have to be careful how you do that. A lot of those people currently at the moment are renting two and three bedroom houses or apartments. And the government are paying for that. Millions every single year. And... Unfortunately, what that does, it keeps people in the housing stock that's currently there. So those who want to buy privately have to pay exorbitant prices. So it's a kind of, I suppose, it's a domino effect. And it's difficult to fix. But by doing nothing, we're not going to fix it. And we're literally doing very little about it. We're hoping it'll just fix itself. So I want to talk about how it's affecting you. Not about the politics of it. And I understand everybody has a solution or everybody thinks they have an answer to it. I want to talk about how it's affecting you. How it's affecting your children, your grown-up children, who are still living in your home at 24 or 25 years of age because they can't buy a house. How it's affecting you if you're single and you can't get help from the government because maybe you're single, you're last on the list to be helped if you're single and you don't have kids. And people who are living literally in their cars, who are staying at night, sleeping in their car because they don't have anywhere to stay, because even to buy a one-bed apartment, if you're working in Dublin, for example, or living in Dublin, a one-bed apartment is probably going to cost 2,200 uh, well, uh, two, €2, euro. Anywhere close to Dublin. And that's the, that's the real fact of this. It's having a massive effect on people's lives. And, as I said, I don't want to get into the politics, but there's only pe- the only people to blame are the government. But it's not inherently their fault right now It's the fault of previous governments and previous governments who did nothing about a hugely expanding population over a short period of time. And that is going to continue. Because as you know, we have another 30,000 people who have just come in from Ukraine. We have more uh, immigrants coming from other countries. We have a shortage of workers in this country. And when we have a shortage of workers, we need foreign workers to come in and work. If we don't, the economy collapses and falls down. So we need people to come in. Because we don't have enough Irish people to do the job. So I was talking to somebody this morning who works in the retail. And he told me he cannot get staff. Can't get staff. Employment is at an all-time low. It's at just over 5% unemployment. So you're not going to get it down to zero because there are always going to be people who can't work or won't work. Uh, so the number is 87 I want to know how the housing crisis, or as Michael D. Higgins puts it, the housing disaster, how it is affecting you and your family. Or is it affecting you? Let me know. The number is 87 188 That's 87 Morris, you're in Ireland's Classic Hits. How are you doing, Morris? Just finishing my lunch now. How are you? I'm grand. What are you having? Something nice, I hope. I did. I had free-range eggs. I had cheese, lettuce and mayonnaise. Sounds tasty. <laughs> and a bit of black pepper. Yeah, what's with the free-range eggs? I mean, why free-range? <laughs> uh, a girl that's a friend of the family got four hens in and they're laying eggs and she gives them to me. And my wife makes cakes with them and I eat them for my lunch. I've, here's the thing, right? Yeah. I've, I've always wondered about eggs. Now, this is pardon yeah. my ignorance, right? Because it was a thought that came into my head the other night. 
if you have a hen and it's yeah. laying eggs, right? Yeah. Then we know what eggs are. They're, they're yeah. embryos, right? So yeah. how do you know there isn't a little chicken in it when you, when you boil it? Because she's not, um, she's not fertilising them. They're not fertilised with a rooster. But how do you know? Oh, because there's no rooster yeah, at the back end. You need a rooster, exactly. No rooster, just four hens and they're cooking away, giving you eggs where you can feed so, yourself. So they lay the uh, Again, I don't understand the biology of it because I've never had a hen. So they lay the eggs anyway, even if they're yeah. not. Yeah. If, if, they're not, if, if you don't want to have the little chicks in your eggs, keep the rooster away. Right. But... You know that's that's where you're fair to So, so to be really book. blunt about it, and I don't want to be. Mm. No, no, I, I won't say it because it's just because could be people having their yeah. own cheating eggs. I know. Yeah. Well, I'm just Adam. I, just, Adam, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, Morris. Getting back yeah. to the housing disaster, you heard what yeah. Michael D. Higgins said. I, I don't. Did. I don't want to get into you know Michael no, D. Higgins and his remit. Yeah, no, but I mean, listen, how is it, it takes, affecting people? It takes the number one citizen in Ireland to say, listen. We just get your heads together. It's a disaster now. It's gone on for too long. I'm sick of listening to people coming onto your show telling you the dire straits that they're in. A woman living in a car, a woman that won't go to a hospital, other people refusing houses because they didn't know where to put the trampoline. We've had a million of stuff. And basically all I'm gonna to say to you is the thing that took over in this country is greed. Mm-hmm. Everybody got greedy, everybody wanted more. Listen, when the crash came, there was one case that stuck in my mind and it'll be with me till I die. A taxi driver in Dublin had 20 houses and 20 mortgages. And when the crash came, bang, up in a heap. He's bankrupt now and every any penny he earns, he gives back to the state. There you go. There's 20, a taxi man with a 20 property portfolio in Dublin. Well, I know, I remember it well. I remember 2006 yeah. when people were buying properties in Bulgaria. Drive-by viewings. Yeah. Drive-by viewings in Dublin. How are you, Mick? Yeah, do you fancy another house loan? Yeah. What do you want? I'll give me 420. There's 670. And the more he lent, the more bonus he got. So there's the greed. People stopped caring and got greedy. But I admire the man for pointing out the faults in the country. And the people are suffering. And he's sick of us. And he should be allowed to speak out on our behalf because we voted him in. Yeah, but, but, I, no, I, but, yeah, but I, don't, I don't want to get into him per se, but, but there's, yeah, a, reason, but there's yeah. a reason why he's not allowed to speak out. He's meant yeah. to be neutral, politically neutral. And he's met his yeah. remit in the office is essentially shaking hands and bringing business into the country. Yeah. So he's not meant to get involved in politics or meant to get involved in the debate of the day. Yeah. I was in town one morning a while back. I'd say about six or seven o'clock on a weekend, on a Saturday. And I was near Christchurch, Patrick Street area, right? And it was really nice and quiet and everything. And within ten minutes, it was like O'Connell Street. And I said, where are all these people coming from? Do you know where they were coming from? Airbnbs in the city centre. That's where the, the property is. You won't get a property to rent in Dublin. It's all Airbnb and everybody's earning big money on us. That's where the, the, the property's gone. And then we have all the problems with the housing in the country that was greedy. Quarry owners got greedy and they put in muck and stuff into houses. Then you have the people up in Donegal. Myra, Micras, you yeah. know? Everybody got greedy. The people are suffering. Everybody puts up the prices. And who suffers at the end of the day? And you know yourself. You're from the north side of Dublin and as I am. A man took his own life when his house or his apartment was found to be dysfunctional and destroyed. And there's a woman out there with a child that hasn't got a partner because he, he was let down and he was ripped off. And the only way he came out was, he took he topped himself. Horrific. Over the property. I know, I know. We but, live but, in oil. 
Yeah, but that's un- the madness we live in. But unfortunately, you know, in those situations, and that's a very sad story. And in those situations, what happens is you have people, primarily men, because obviously there's a higher rate of suicide amongst men, sadly. Um, they feel that they need to provide for their families. And if they don't, they feel they failed. And, and that's really sad. And, 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 and like you said, the only way out they feel is to do the I wrong know, thing. I know, and that's Because that's, that's, that's all, and it's horrific. Course, yeah. But I will turn around and tell you that you told me that one politician said, well, you know, he's not, he's not too wrong. He's not too wrong. You said one politician there. I won't name him. Mm. Now he's bragging that he's taken in a Ukrainian person. Mm. If the Ukrainian situation hadn't happened, would he have given the room to a homeless Irish person? No, no, I, I do get what you're saying. And by the way, you know, the Ukrainian situation hasn't really affected the housing crisis per se. The housing crisis or housing disaster, as Michael D. Higgins calls it, has been around and has been a with us for the last... 40 you know, years. Absolutely. 40 years. Absolutely. But, well, Mar- but Morris, it was plainly obvious that was going to happen. When we go from having, as I said, a population of 3.3 to 5.2 million in the space of, you know, 40 years in the 1980s, the early 1980s, well, well then you're bound to have a housing crisis if you don't start building houses. And you know why this country was mismanaged? And I'm only a working class guy like yourself. And I look at things and I, you know, I see things over the years that have been on the road. I'm 40 years in my job this year and I'm very proud of it because I've stood out and I've provided for my family and I'm providing for my grandchildren now, right? And it's an achievement because I've done it and I enjoy doing what I do. And part of it is ringing up you and having a chat. We had Nama in here and they could have turned around and turned this situation on its head. They were put into power to represent the government and say, get all that property that's out there dysfunctional and failed. And they should have took it back into government ownership. They should have bought instead, it. Instead, instead they sold it back to developers again. Exactly. And they come in, the greedy fuckers, on the oh, watch, watch your language, please, Morris. Sorry, people, I'm a Catholic. Sorry about that. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Royal Mary. It just annoys me, Noel, when I see greed. And we could have turned this situation on its head. We could have compulsory purchase ordered every bloody apartment and building and house and said, Roy, we have a government scheme now where we're back in like the corporation. We have housing estates. We'll manage them. We'll rent them at a fair price. Okay, well, stay there for a second because I want to go to Jay as well. Jay, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. Hey, Jay. Hey, how's it going? Hey, dude. Now, Jay, you're, you've emigrated. Yeah, I live over in Portugal these days. Okay, and you're living in Portugal. And, and what's the reason that you moved to Portugal? Um, I was living in Cork City and uh, I basically moved out of one place and I was looking for another place uh, after a breakup and all that, you know? Yep. But uh, I was looking for another place, and I mean, I was looking at one-bedroom apartments, which was basically a large bedroom that somebody put a partition wall down a little bit to, you know, to make a bathroom or whatever. And it was like twelve hundred a month or whatever for that, and it was, mm. I got I got so depressed just thinking about it. I mean, it looked like a prison cell, you know. Yeah, you didn't and you didn't spend your life saving and working to end up in that situation. Exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, okay, I don't have much education or whatever, but I can see guys that come out of college after four years and they're earning X amount and 90% or 80% of their wages are going on rent. They're having to get a second job to, you know, to whatever, to pay bills and whatever. It's It, it got ridiculous. So a friend of mine was living in Portugal and I gave him a shout and said, get me a job. And here I am. Okay. And what are you doing over there? Uh, well, nowadays I'm, uh, I work in uh, logistics. Okay. I basically all the trucks and stuff like that. But back then I was working in a call center. And but but the, now the cost of living is absolutely it's lower. It's cheaper to rent. Uh, it's probably a nicer lifestyle. But the weather is better, of course. 
But in well, saying that, the wages would be a lot lower, wouldn't they? Um, well, yeah, if you're working for a Portuguese company, I work, I work internationally. I just live here. Oh, okay. Uh, right. And what's, what's your uh, rent? What's your, I mean, quality-wise, you said, okay, they were looking for 1300 quid for, you know, a bedroom and a partition, essentially. I mean, your quality of life now, you know, what are you living in now? A three-bedroom house on the... I'm still renting while I'm saving up to buy. But uh, as a three-bedroom house on the Silver Coast, literally, I could throw a stone at the beach and probably knock out a surfer. I'd sort of throw a stone out my bedroom window and knock out a surfer on that close to the beach. Okay. And it's 400, 450 bucks a month, including including those. Wow. That's a big difference, isn't it? And the, and, the li- and the lifestyle, of course, I mean, generally speaking, it's cheaper to, to eat, it's cheaper to shop, it's cheaper to buy everything, every, cars is cheaper, diesel, petrol, everything is cheaper. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, even, like, I've got friends here who are working uh, Portuguese jobs, Portuguese companies, and, uh, you know, you throw on Portuguese wages, like, and they're still, they're not struggling like the Irish were when I was there. Mm-hmm. Who do you blame? Who do you blame for that? I mean, okay, well, obviously you have to blame government because they're the ones responsible ultimately. But I mean, it, this hasn't just happened overnight. Oh no, it's gone for years. But I mean, the biggest problem is that there's a—I don't know the exact figures—but I remember someone telling me that uh, reading somewhere in one of the papers that the majority of PDs are actually landlords themselves. Well, a lot of them are. Like, yeah, a lot of them would be. Yes. Well, you're not going to get any change. I mean, these guys vote for their own pay rises. Mm-hmm. You know, they've ripped us off millions of times. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get any changes as long as their their TDs are landlords. You know, they're yeah. not going to vote. They're not going to vote their money down. And do you see yourself coming back to Ireland at any stage? I would I you like Ireland. to come back to Ireland? Oh yes, I, I I love Ireland. I my family there. All well, not all of my friends. I have many friends here, but vast majority of my friends, the people I love, the people I care about, are there. I mean, I, I see them. You know, I go back and visit and whatever. Yeah. But the way things are, I couldn't see myself going back there full time. Well, I mean, it's cheap enough to fly back and forward uh, through Faroe Airport yeah. or, area, or with uh, Ryanair, isn't it? I suppose. Uh, yeah, well, I'm up uh, closer to Lisbon these days. Which is oh, okay. A bit more expensive. But, nah, I yeah. don't mind. Yeah, okay. But I mean, I, I I can see why you would be attracted to the lifestyle, to be honest with you. I wouldn't mind being on a Portuguese beach as we speak right now. I mean, I mean, do you think it's sad when, when you listen? I'm sure you read Irish newspapers and, and I'm sure you're reading Irish news online. I mean, you see so many families, young people in particular, affected by this housing crisis where you've got young couples with decent jobs who just cannot afford to buy a house or even rent. Absolutely. I mean, you know, decent jobs, decent education. They've worked hard to get where they are and they, and they can't even get a, fo- uh, a foothold in the door, you know? Mm-hmm. And is the answer is the answer to build more houses? Because realistically, unless you had a magic wand, that's not going to happen. Because there's a huge shortage of people to work in construction. That's the biggest problem. And then procuring land, obviously, getting you know planning on everything else. We need to fast track that a bit better. So I mean, I I don't believe there's an answer to this. I lived the last uh, say fifteen odd years before I left Ireland. I was living in Cork City. Um, I was I would go all over the city, and even in the kind of you know, the more built-up places and whatever. There's the amount of derelict buildings or houses that haven't been lived in for years mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. If you, if you put, um, say, a government grant on doing these houses up to standard, you know, basically incentive... I think I heard a figure of 40,000, by the way, sorry for interrupting you, but I think I heard a figure of 40,000 vacant properties in Ireland. 
Yeah, basically, you incentivize put, um, getting these things up to scratch and, you know, incentivize letting them out. Pro- I mean, you mentioned tax breaks to landlords to TDs and they're mm. themselves, basically. You know, they jump at their foot. Yeah, yeah. Each other to get- of course. Well, well, look, the best of luck over there, by the way, and I hope you get to follow your dream and come home again soon and we get enough money. And in the meantime, enjoy the sunshine. Let me just go to Nancy as well. Nancy, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Nancy? Hi, thanks very much, Brian, for having me on. Now, Nancy, you were here since 2013. Yeah, originally, right. you're from Germany. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so what's your situation right now? Well, I've actually started um 2013 i came over in january and i got the job um from well i did um apply from germany so i got the job while being in germany the the employer um, provided me with a three a one night in a hostel mm-hmm. when i came over i was lucky to extend that to actually from one to three nights and that I was, wasn't pleasant um, i'm sure I'm, okay <laughs> yeah well. And immediately I was looking for some rooms. And at that time, you know, I didn't really bother. Back in Germany, I lived in my own apartment. So when I came to Ireland, I didn't mind living in a house, sharing or whatever, you know, because I didn't know the city that much or whatever. So I was kind of glad, yeah, okay, you know, I, I, I kind of get along with people, that's fine. So um, it took me kind of some time to find some appropriate room those that I actually feel they were horror and horrible situations like with mold all over the place and huge amount of rent even in 2013 so I kind of thought of course I didn't know you know when yeah. I came to Ireland I was I was well, maybe naive. when you came probably at a really bad time because in 2013 we were just recovering from the recession so prices yeah. were going up 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 I, yeah I, I didn't know about those things so I came I came to Ireland with the situation in Germany in my head, you know, meaning, okay, we are, we are in Europe, so we are pretty much in the same situation. Europe yeah. has pretty much, like, the same standards, like. So I didn't even think about that there might be a, a kind of a housing or, or, you know, rental crisis in, in, in Ireland. So that kind of, a, yeah, brought me into a state like saying, Jesus Christ, I can't even get a room or something, you know. So wow. that yeah. me into a kind of a horrible situation. I then, thank God, I found a room in a house and I lived there for one and a half years, moved out then with um, uh, with my then former housemate into another apartment and there all of a sudden, I remember this quite well even by the date, uh, it was four days before Christmas, um, I got told by my um, then um, uh, room or housemate, so we have to move out. It was four days before Christmas. Oh no, and were you given any warning? Just four days before Christmas you have to go? I wasn't giving any warning. And the thing is my then housemate, she moved in that two-bedroom apartment a couple of months before, so I then moved in later. And at that stage, you know, I think it was 2014 or 15, around that time, yeah. 14, I think, I was still, you know, very naive in my head, not even thinking about having a contract and all these kind of things, looking into papers, you know, because in my head... You know, with the apartment in Germany, you sign a contract and you have it there pretty much forever and ever, you know? Yeah, of course, like, they can't put you out, yeah. Exactly. Unless you do something wrong, of course, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, but we didn't do this, I didn't do this. I always paid my rent on time, etc. You mm-hmm. know? So, basically, yeah. Christmas, I was told by my then house roommate, housemate, uh, we have to leave. So, um, and I was super lucky that I knew someone that I could really pretty much get sheltered, you know, over the Christmas time because I was looking straight away into onto Daft, 
you know, all these kind of uh, all these kind of uh, um, places online, and yeah. I couldn't anything that. Um, yeah, and everywhere more. you go, everywhere you go and see, there's a queue outside. You know. I, but, yeah. So I was lucky then that I got at least some some shelter uh, from that from that guy um, over Christmas and New Year's Eve time, and I was also lucky that I was on annual leave that time. So there was pure. Luck you could have ended now. up on the streets for God's sake, yeah. Absolutely, I wouldn't have absolutely an idea where to get where to stay. Actually, but probably, I mean, four days before Christmas, I would have gone to a. B&B or... Of course, yeah. yeah. I, I okay, know, so where are you... I, I'm sorry for rushing you a bit, but I'm running short of time, but where are you now or what's your situation now? So I'm still in Cork City and I've been lucky that i actually been renting out a little tiny, tiny apartment uh, for the last um, number of years. But with the situation beforehand, the moment I moved in, um, I, I pretty much was looking into my letterbox every single day pretty much thinking or expecting there's a letter, you know, telling me, okay, you have to move out. And still, this is still in my head, you know. I know, it's, it's I know. It's still in the back of my head thinking, And okay, is it expensive, by the way, your little one-bedroom apartment in Cork? Thankfully not. Okay. I'm very lucky with that. Thankfully okay, that's not. good. That's so good. My landlord that, is a, your landlord is a good landlord. landlord. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, at the moment now, you know, you, you mentioned it to Ashling outside that the rental crisis is causing a mental health crisis. It does, and it did, and it still does, because I don't feel really relaxed in a way of saying, okay, I I have my place now, and I'd like, I will be living here for, for you know, whatever. Because yeah. the moment I, for whatever reason, I will maybe get a note saying, okay, I'm sorry, you have to move out. I wouldn't even know where to, where where to, to go. go because course, all of my yeah. colleagues around me, they, they are struggling to find a room or something. They're really struggling. So in my head, I would probably approach my, my um, employer saying, well, either you help me, or I have to go back oh, to Germany. Oh, you have to go back to Germany. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and would you be confident that if you went back to Germany that you would have a better lifestyle? Yeah, well, in, in many parts, maybe, yeah, in Dutch parts like health and, and, yeah. and housing, yes, I would yeah. say so. And even infrastructure, you know, with the better rail network, you know, we have... And housing, you would, you would find somewhere to rent at a more reasonable price, yeah. Yeah, well, I say in, in smaller towns, even in bigger towns in Germany like Berlin or Cologne or so, even there's a crisis, you know, because, yeah. you know, there's always a growing population, you know. Of course. But, and but, by the way, Nancy, can I just point out something that I'm sure a lot of people are listening have uh, noticed? Uh, you're here since 2013. You've got a huh? wonderful Cork accent already, by the way. Can I just... Oh, thank you very much. I'd say if you went to Germany, they wouldn't recognise you. <laughs> You've got yes. a lovely Cork accent. It's a, it's a kind of crossbreed accent between Germany and Cork. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> you need to throw the word boy in now and again. <laughs> but listen, it's been lovely talking to you, Nancy, and I hope you manage to stay in that little apartment that you have. You're looking yeah, to have something at a reasonable price that you kind of like, but hopefully you want what you really are looking for from the government is a bit more security, I suppose. Yes. It's security and have way more one room and two bedroom apartment because okay. what's at the moment happening is it's house sharing and all over the place where so people come from abroad to live in house sharing, but that's no life quality. No, 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 you want your own space and I know exactly what you mean. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. right. 
Okay, listen, Nancy, the best of luck to you, okay? I'll see you. It's been lovely talking to you. It was nice talking to Nancy there. From the very start, by the way, I could, I could hear she had a German accent, but I could also hear she had a Cork accent as well, and she's only here a few years. She's already adopted that Cork accent. It's wonderful to hear. Uh, the number is 087-188-008. How has the housing crisis affected you? Your family, your daughters, your sons. Maybe they're trying to buy a house at the moment. They just can't. Maybe they're trying to rent. They just can't. Maybe they're literally sleeping in their car. How is it affecting you? Let's not call it a crisis anymore because Michael E. Higgins says it's not a crisis. It's a disaster. All right, keep texting. Keep WhatsApping. The number's 87 8 Let me go to Chris. Chris, you're in Ireland's Classic Hits. How are you doing, Chris? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the little man was absolutely right. But well, it shouldn't, you know, call a constitutional crisis to bring the subject up, you know. Michael McDowell says that's what it is. And he's usually right on constitutional matters, although he said he agrees with the president, you know. But anyway, I have sons and daughters in their 20s and 30s, you know, and they've all toured level education. Uh, I, when I look at their salaries, I think, my God, that's fantastic, you know. Well, one of them had to emigrate. Well, she didn't have to emigrate, but she has, you know. She's a master's in... Uh, uh, you know, she's an interior designer. Mm-hmm. She emigrated anyway. So it's really a bad problem, you know. I mean, yeah. and there is. There is and when you, when you say so, so they're earning a good wage, and yeah. you know, going by, I suppose, the calculator, there is exemptions where they can get four times the salary, three times the salary is the normal yeah, lending three and rate. A half or two yeah. Times, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is, I know, I know, they're allowed a certain amount of exemptions every year. The banks where they can give up to four times. I think they're allowed three hundred thousand, isn't it, or yeah. something like that? Where, where exemptions? Right, yeah. yeah, but in saying that, so even with their good wage, they still can't get enough to buy a house. Absolutely. If you look at the uh, CSO figures for household incomes across the country, I think up to 60% of households earn less than 40,000. I can imagine that would be true, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, You know, so it's, 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 you know, but there's an endemic problem, you see. But there's there's a solution, Niall. Well, what is, see, what is the solution? The magic wand, I think, Chris, is the only solution. Here's the magic wand from, not from me, from all the political parties. Sheena Fina Falls, Sheena Fina Gale, Sheena Fina Unlooked Ibra, the party on Gloss, Sheena Fina Fane, all of them put in their manifestos before the last election. They're going to hold the referendum to rebalance the rights of property versus the common good. Because our constitution gives uberalis rights to private property. In the acquisition of, you know, property or sites for houses, they come up against these laws in the Constitution. Now, no, the government hasn't published the wording on that. Now, they have said that they're going to do it. When are they going to do it? But, but yeah, but, but Chris, it's all well and good when you have political parties prom- making promises during the run-up to election, like Sinn Féin made uh, outlandish promises in relation to how many houses, social houses they could build. Uh, and Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil made some promises too. None of those promises have been fulfilled and they will not be fulfilled in this term of office, Right. But it's easy to make promises. But when you can't get construction companies or developers or land quick enough or procure land yeah, quick enough, yeah. you're never going to be able to build that many houses. The problem is, is that it's too late now. We have had previous governments, not just this government, but previous. And the Kenny's yeah, government yeah. didn't build Labour a single house. Not a yeah. single house. Yeah, sure. The Labour Party, they had 23 seats. And because they ignored the housing issue, they lost 27 seats. They're down to six or seven seats. Yeah, they're right, they're, they're right down there with the Green Party now. But but, yeah, but, no. but but in saying that, at this point now, it, it's going to take years to get yeah. back to yeah. where we were back in the 80s, yeah. where we had well, enough houses. 
Yeah, and with 37,000 Ukrainians, and God bless them. Ah, well, I, yeah, but I don't think that's going to make a huge difference. And, and that's probably a temporary situation too, by the way. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, well, well and hopefully those people can go back to their country because that's what they want to do. Yeah, yeah, but the referendum... Now, you take the Fine Gael, Fine Fall, Green Party, affordable housing, 390,000 for an affordable apartment in Dublin, nearly 400,000. And look at the CSO figures on household incomes. They're catering for 30% of the population. The rest of the population, you know, the other thing is... I know, I know. I'm watching them building apartments across the road from us here at Ireland's Classic Hits down around the docks and these apartments are probably going to sell for between 500 and 700,000. And I said, who's buying these? <laughs> who's going to be... They're not building apartments for you or for me or for your kids they're not building those apartments. Yeah. But, yeah. but but Chris, listen, I, I'm sorry to hear about your kids, by the way, that they had to leave. They felt they had to leave and they just couldn't afford to buy in this country. And I, could, I have so many people want to talk about it. Thank you very much indeed, Chris. Let me go to Peter Dooley, by the way, who's co-founder of Dublin Renters Union. Uh, Peter, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, uh... Nice to have you on again. Peter, now Michael D. Higgins has described this as not a crisis, but a disaster. And I'm listening and I'm looking at texts here from ordinary, everyday people whose sons and daughters are still living in their houses at the age of 25 and 26, can't buy a house. It's just unaffordable. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's our own full-blown humanitarian crisis. So we even go beyond the disaster. And it's been like that for the, the past number, probably eight to ten years in particular. Uh, and it emanated from, obviously, the, the, the Troika coming into Ireland and basically... Where we bailed out the banks, as one of your previous callers said, with NAMA and stuff, and they, create, they opened this avenue to vulture funds and corporate landlords to come in and run riot and havoc on our shores. And this was all facilitated by government policies. Like, and they've all, they've all stood over this. Well, the homeless crisis got worse. The affordability housing crisis has got worse. And they just don't give a damn. The political party... Well, to say, well, to, to say they don't give a damn would they be don't. wrong. I mean, no, hold on. To be fair, okay... You know, I, I don't think there's an answer to it. And I think they themselves, no matter how clever they might think they, they'll be, there is no answer to this currently at the moment because we don't have enough workers, we don't have enough construction companies, we don't have enough developers, the cost of raw materials is going through the ceiling and everything added together is causing this crisis. And of course, more people are coming into Ireland, the population is rising, so we're not going to be able to meet the demand. We can't meet the demand. Well, so, I, dis- I disagree, now because it's... it's, it's if, if you start at basics in a society, if you have a social good of a home in society and you start a foundation block of any proper function in democracy, economy, society, that's what should be there at the cornerstone of it. There is a right to a common good in the Constitution, which has never been properly tested either. Uh, as one of your previous callers made you know, uh, comments about property rights, uh, people with property in Ireland have all the rights. Anybody without property doesn't have any rights. And that's where it comes from. It comes from the, a society and a state that they prop up that looks after the wealthy in society. And they'll pay, they'll point it as a technical issue. They'll always say it's technical. It's a supply issue. Uh, maybe we need more developers. Maybe we need more building. Okay, and, and it's all well and good, you and me on the air, chatting about whose fault we think it is. And, but well, it's solutions. But, well, that, well, that's what we need, a solution. So for Tom and Mary, who have three kids, who are all in their 20s and want to buy a house. Maybe two of them are in a position to buy a house. One might be unemployed and need social housing. That's your average family, for example. You know, I mean, how are we going to help them? How do we build more houses? Well, what you do is, instead of this, as one of your callers talk about affordable housing, the government are talking about affordable housing all the time. Uh, you need to go back to what, as I said, a home should be, a social good. Why don't we look at universal public housing, where you increase the thresholds for housing and people are, have long-term security, can pay 20% of your income 
to have a home. And then... Wait, yeah, but, yeah, but look, yeah, but look what's happened. Yeah, but Peter, the current model at the moment allows people to pay 10%, right? In most areas, in most council areas. And we listened uh, last week to Councillor McManus when he was on telling us that a vast amount of people won't even pay the 10%. They're in arrears and the, and the state doesn't even collect the arrears. So if it's difficult to get 10% off people, how difficult will it be to get 20% off them? No, I think, that, I think, I think you look, it's, 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 it's more complex than that. There's actually somebody not paying the rent. The issues are people, everybody should pay the rent for where they live. Everybody wants to have And what happens if they don't pay the and, rent? And, and pay and pay a rent. But a lot of council tenants, if you're making the comments to a council tenant, in Dublin City, a lot of council tenants are living in damp, mould, absolutely over... Okay, but I'm a, I asked you a question there. What, what happens if somebody doesn't pay the rent? Well, if they should be they, there should be mechanisms there, for instance, the state. And I, I would blame the state for this, for letting it go to such a level where the rent arrears are going to... Uh, 30, 37 million in Dublin County Council alone or something like that, yeah? So, yeah, uh, so if, if Johnny and Mary, who are living in social housing, for example, maybe they're in a low-income job or whatever, right? And they're getting their, their rent for 10% of the value of the rent, or, the house, or 10% of their income. And they decide to strategically not to pay the rent because there are people strategically not paying rent because they know nothing will be done about it. What do you well, do? Nobody should do that. If you have if you have the income, you should be paying your rent. Okay, but you're not answering my question. What do you do? What? What? But you, you have to you have to actually talk to the people and see what the situation is. But you chuck them out. Do you chuck them out if they're not paying it? Well, a lot, but some people who don't, everybody don't. Well, that's the last resort for somebody. But obviously, if you engage with people and if they're not paying their rent for whatever reason, that's you know, uh, if they can't, if they if, if they can't afford it, it's a totally different reason. Or well, if they, they can't, if they can't afford it, it's a different reason. But I can't, I can't see how they couldn't afford ten percent of what they earn. Yeah, now and ever. The issue while I'm on discussing this actually is to offer solutions for the crisis. Like, and I oh, think yeah. it's important that currently, last year, nine hundred billion euro was given in our public money to private landlords in housing assistance payments, RAS, all these sort of schemes, to enrich landlords will put more people into poverty. And like half the people in Ireland earn less than probably 28 to 30,000, the median income is 28 to 30,000 a year. Most of them would be in rented accommodation. And there are solutions. The solutions are to ban evictions, essentially, to give people long-term security in their homes, which is very common. But you can't ban evictions. Well, in the UK, you would. You would put a ban because during the... How during can you, the how can you ban down, evictions? No, if you, no, no, speak sense, Peter. I agree with you on a lot of things. The one thing I'll never agree with you on, you can't ban evictions because if you ban evictions, that leaves it wide open to abuse where people won't bother their arse pain. Well, no, I'll, I'll clarify what ban evictions means. It's not a wide-scale ban evictions of all evictions. Well, that's, well, that's what you're saying. I don't, no, I've been saying immediately, during lockdowns... Uh, we saw the homeless figures drop because 70% of people coming to the homelessness come from the private rental sector. They're coming because of reasons for substantial refurbishments or landlords are claiming to sell their property, kicking, their, kicking the tenants out to, to, to jack up the rents because there's an unregulated rental market in Ireland. And that's the reality of it, Noel. There's over 10,039 people in emergency accommodation currently, over 3,000 children in emergency accommodation. And as I said, 70% come from people who are paying their rent and evicted because the landlord might decide to sell because property prices are sky high levels and the state are willing to step in. But then they're enriching uh, all these companies, the hotels and stuff, are making a fortune out of it. And then they're laughing at us. And they, they actually don't give a damn, Noel. And like, if anybody seems to think that they actually, the politicians care about fixing the housing crisis, uh, you're, you're, you're okay, okay, on that note, I've run out of time, Peter. Listen, thank you for coming on the air. Peter Julie, uh, co-founder of Dublin Renters Union. He believes if anybody thinks politicians care, you're misguided. Martin, how are you? You're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are things? Hey, now you're good. Good. Now, you're, you're a musician and you travel from Cork uh, up to Dublin every single week. Um, what's the purpose of your journey? Well, I'm after writing a song called Everyone Should Have a Home and it 
uh, above the housing crisis and I travel up every Thursday and I go up there from one o'clock and I do a protest outside their door and uh, I sing my song. And okay, and what's, what's, what's your investment in this or why did you feel so passionate about it? Well, I guess the investment is like for uh, the, the, the housing crisis that's going on in the country at the moment. I'm kind of personally affected by it in that I have an, an eviction notice pending. And, um, the, and also, when I kind of did, uh, you know, I was listening to a lot of talks um, when I was writing the song, and uh, it kind of occurred to me that the state of anxiety that somebody who's renting, I've been renting all my life, um, that somebody who's renting the kind of instability is is uh, is is terrible as well. So that's kind you're of sitting there waiting kind of for that. As, yeah, well, Nancy said that earlier on. She's constantly she has her little one bed apartment in Cork, and she's she's constantly waiting for the letter in the door to say, you know, out you get. Well, there you go. You're kind of you're you're in this constant state of anxiety, where you're kind of aware of it or not. Like, kind of, will the landlord sell the property? You you're kind of aware that it's not your home all the time, and you're kind of going because there's no kind of um, stability of. Um, I don't know, I don't know how opinion. you yeah, but I don't know how you fix that problem because you always have to try and balance the rights of the landlord and the rights of the the tenant, obviously. And the landlord, at some point, if they ever do want to sell or pass it on to their children uh, to live there, should always have those rights to do that too, provided they give a fair bit of notice to their tenant. So you're always going to have that issue, aren't you? When you're renting, it's that it's not yours essentially. You are, but um, I guess there's kind of um, other countries you can look at, like Austria, uh, you know, 50% of the housing is provided by the state, yeah. or what they call not-for-profit housing, so you get like lifetime security of tenure. It can be done. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of people can rent a house, I'd happily rent a house. Right, thought, like the old well, Dublin Corporation and, and County Council schemes go, yeah, many yeah, years yeah, ago, absolutely. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you, you wrote a song, uh, I've, I've only got a minute and a half here, so maybe, do you have your guitar with you there? I do, yeah. Will I give you a blast? Yeah, give us a blast there of your song. Yeah, I'll give you the chorus, though. All All right, right. okay, go on. Oh, unfortunately we can't hear him. He's gone. Where is he on the other side of the room? (laughs) Ah, God love him. He's over the other side of the room, Ashley. He doesn't know that we can't hear him. (laughs) I do apologise. He's singing his brains out of there. Oh, sorry, there you Martin. Go. That was great. I'm so, unfortunately, whatever happened there, maybe you were too close to the phone or too far away. We couldn't hear very much of it. It broke up. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. it's, it's okay, Martin. I can send it to you if you if you. Yeah, like do I would love yeah. I would love you to do that to us and send it to us. <laughs> yeah. it, it was entertaining nonetheless. But okay, you're, no, and when are you up in Dublin again? Up tomorrow, no. Okay, yeah, and, um, and when you, you literally stand outside the doll and you sing your song and head off back home again. And have you had yeah. any, uh, the Minister for Housing, or has anybody come out to say hello to you, shake your hand? or? Well, there's been, there, was, there was one week where I went on to say, my protest was going on at the same time as the cost of living protest, so, they, uh, so I joined that. And okay. Lot, I met a lot of politicians there, but I guess singing from the hymn, same hymn sheet as me. Of course, no, yeah, Nobody yeah. from... Uh, yeah, the, you know the parties right. that are in power. Yeah. Well, look, I wish you well. Listen, thank you very much. Thanks indeed. so much. All right, Thanks, okay. Bye, bye. All right, I keep texting, keep WhatsApping. Uh, the number is oh eight seven one double eight travel zero eight. Let's just play the little bit of audio for you here. A WhatsApp audio. Before I go. The housing here has got way out of hand. Like I was looking at TikTok the other day, and there was a room in Fisbury. Now I mean a room that they had made into a sitting room kind of kitchen sort of deal, and it was like a pretty smallish room. And it was 1300 a month, which is crazy. 
um, there was another one which was someone's extension on the side of someone's house in Cholester and that was selling for 330000 literally for an extension on the side of someone's house crazy absolutely crazy you're right Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Niall.